0: From Parkway Church in Kurana, this is the Parkway Podcast. Our prayer is that this message blesses and encourages you today as you listen. If you would like to know more information on who we are as a church, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com. Who needs Christmas? If you have a Bible, you can turn to Matthew chapter 1. We're in a series called Who Needs Christmas? This is our final talk. And as it turns out, we all do. We all do. And I want to focus a little bit on that last we do, and maybe for not reasons that you don't think. Matthew chapter one, if you have a Bible or you have a U version Bible app on your phone, you can open it up. Verses 18 to 21, it'll also be on the screen as well. Matthew's writing, he says this. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Father God, we just, uh, as we open up your word, I pray, Lord, that you would just bring this word to life to us today. And in our minds and our hearts, we would receive the truth written in this word and you'd speak directly to each of us, Lord. And I prayed in the first service and I'll pray it in this one, God, just the same way that you directed those authors to pen the pages of, these, of this scripture, God. I pray in the name of Jesus, you direct our thinking, God, and our hearing, God, to receive and uh, the scripture today and the truth today. As I speak, God guide me, but I pray that you guide us as we listen to ultimately your Holy Spirit speak to us. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Awesome. I like that. Nice and loud. Do you know what? This is uh, Matthew, and Matthew straight out the gate says, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. He is up front And that he believes Jesus to be the long-awaited Messiah. I don't know if any of you have anybody around in and around your life who they're not a little upfront when they talk to you. I'm not going to pick on ladies today, but I feel like ladies often like to sandwich their stories in a lot of precursor and outcursor just to get to one point. And sometimes I'm just like, I just need the point. Just why are we here? What is, like, that's what I want. And that's what Matthew does. He's not not cutting corners. He's not mincing words. He's just like, let me tell you straight up, this is how the birth of Jesus, the long-awaited Messiah, came about. Now, let me just give you some terms. If you've been with us through the the gospel series of Mark that we've been doing, uh, we've talked a lot about the Messiah. The Messiah is is a Hebrew word here. Its Greek equivalent is Christ, or Christos in the Greek. When you read the Bible... The Old Testament is written in Hebrew, the original language. We read the English translation. And the New Testament is mostly Greek and, and Aramaic. But here, when you see the word Messiah, the Greek word behind that is actually Christos, meaning Christ. Jesus Christ. Christ is not his last name. right? My name is Carl Patterson. Patterson is my last name. Christ is not Jesus' last name. It's his title. That's who he is. It means anointed one. And in Hebrew history... Kings were actually ritually anointed with oil before they were installed into office. And the Jews had in mind that God was going to send a Messiah, a king of all kings who would come and rule and reign ultimately once and for all. Now, the name Jesus here that we read is an English translation of a Latin word, which is translated from a Greek word, Isus, which is from a Hebrew word, Yeshua. I know I just said a lot there, Right? But when, when Matthew is writing Jesus, what they're hearing is actually Yeshua. And Yeshua in English is Joshua. And who is Joshua to the Jews? This has huge um, significance and importance to what we're talking about today. In the mind of a, of a Jewish person, Joshua is a significant leader. He's a general, he's a warrior, he's a conquering hero, he's the, the leader after Moses that brought the people into the promised land. So when you see Jesus, when we say Jesus, in, in the, the Jews' mind, it's actually Yeshua, it's Joshua. So we've been pronouncing his name wrong this whole time. I said to the people earlier, I said, maybe that's why your prayers aren't being answered because you're just saying his name wrong. It's not true. It's not true. You need to hear that, it's not true. <laughs> there might be other reasons why, but that's not it, Okay. Um, our, son's, our son's name's Joshua, we have a five-year-old, he's Joshua, and before he was born, the day before we were gonna find out he was a boy or a girl, we're lying in bed and we're just racking our names for boy names. We had a girl name picked out if it was gonna be a girl, but if it was a boy, we didn't have a name. And we are the kind of people that the moment we found out if our baby was gonna be a boy or girl, we wanted to call it by its name. And so we're racking our mind and we're throwing out names and Joshua actually came to mind, but we just, it just didn't stick, And so we said to one another, as we're lying in bed, we said, well, let's pray, let's pray about it and let's see if God just speaks to us. And so bowed our heads said a simple prayer and immediately the name Joshua came to us. And I said said to my wife, Jody, I said, "I'm I'm thinking Joshua again. She's like, me too. And so Joshua is his name, which means in the original language, Jesus, which in English is Jesus, not saying our son's name is Jesus. But what the Jews were looking for And a Messiah was a Joshua. They were looking for a warrior. They were looking for a conquering hero. They were looking for for a deliverer who would come and deliver them from the oppressors. This is how the birth of Yeshua, Joshua, had come about. Now it continues. It says, his mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Now, before the first century, you would have been stoned to death for being pregnant out of wedlock. And you were pledged to be married. It says she's pledged to be married. In that culture, in first century, you were pledged to be married around 10 or 11 years old. You were married by the time you were 12, 13, 14, which is scary to think about as a parent, right? because my son is only a few more years away from being that age. Mary is found to be pregnant. And Joseph hears, finds out about it. Everybody finds out about it. Now, people wouldn't stone her in in the first century because they kind of moved away from those little applications of the law. And Joseph, being the man he he is, it says that he had in his mind to divorce her quietly. It says, because Joseph was faithful to the law, believed in the truth of the scriptures, yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace he had in mind to divorce her quietly. And not only is she pregnant, but you got to think about what's happening here. She's claiming that what is inside of her is from the Holy Spirit. She's claiming that an angel came to her and said that God is putting a baby in me. They hadn't heard anything from God. They hadn't heard a prophecy. They hadn't heard a miracle in about 400 years. 400 years of silence. And all of a sudden, Mary, this young girl, is claiming that what is inside of her is from God. You've got to imagine Joseph here, hearing this, that this, this girl that he's pledged to Mary is claiming that God is speaking to her. Like, everyone would be like, Joseph, like, break off, break it up, like, get out of there, man. Cut loose. Give her a wide berth. You don't want to go near that. You don't want that reputation. And it says this, but after he had considered this, so he thought that through, He had a plan in place. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David. Now that's important. The angel, the first thing he does is he calls him by name. He says, Joseph, son of David. Now Joseph wasn't wasn't the son of a man named David. What the angel is saying is he comes from the lineage, the line of King David. And this would have been important for the angel to say to Joseph before Joseph hears what the angel's about to say. Because the Jews has actually expected that the Messiah would come from the line of David. And so the angel was reminding Joseph of where he comes from. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take home Mary as your wife. Even though your reputation is at risk, even though you fear what people may think, do not be afraid because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And when I was reading that this week, something just like God speak to me, but maybe it's for somebody. Do not be afraid to do the things that may be unpopular if it's a God thing. God God is gonna call you to things and he's gonna birth things inside of you and he's gonna lead you to places that may be unpopular to those around you, that may be not considered popular opinion, right? Everyone's saying to Joseph, break it off, get out of there, you don't want this, you don't want this reputation. There are things that God's gonna call you to that others around you may think is strange or weird. But don't be afraid to do the things that God is calling you to do just because others around don't understand it, right? When I first felt like I was called into ministry to be a pastor, to be a preacher, I remember going to my parents. My dad looked at me in the eye and he said, there's no money in that. Why would you do that? There's no money in that call. I remember him pointedly saying that. There are, Gabe Leon said this, he said, there are certain ideas that Christians believe that just aren't going to align with where a dominant secular view is, is going. More and more, we're gonna find as believers that as the culture moves forward, what we believe and what we hold to in the scriptures is completely drastic and different then. Don't be afraid to take hold of the things that God is calling you to, that the scriptures lead us towards. And if anything, did you know that there is a way of life that scripture calls us to live, that we're called to live differently, that is unpopular. Don't be afraid to take hold of that life like a husband does a wife because it's of God. And so the angel is telling Joseph, listen, just because everyone else is thinking one thing about, about Mary, just because you even think one thing about Mary, don't be afraid to take her as your wife because what is inside of her is from God. It's conceived of the Holy Spirit. It's a God thing. Go against the grain. Go against the culture. Do the God thing. Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what's conceived in us from the Holy Spirit. So she's a virgin and she has a, has a baby inside of her. Now, in this culture, no one was expecting this. No one was, was waiting for a virgin birth. Even though they had a prophecy from Isaiah saying that the virgin would would give birth to a child. It says this in in Isaiah chapter 7. It says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. This is one of the last prophecies they would receive about the great deliverance through a Messiah. But the word that they use here for the virgin doesn't imply what we read it to imply today. That word in, in the original language means young lady or maiden or unmarried girl of child-rearing age. So, so no one was expecting a virgin to give birth. No one was expecting the Messiah to, to ha- not have a father, right? This, in the mind of a Jew, is not critical to the story. If anything, this was a Greek idea. Because in Greek mythology, the gods would mate with humans, and they would create these god-like creatures called demigods. You remember, remember the show Hercules, or the movie Hercules? He was a, he was a demigod. He was half-man half God. But that's not what Jesus is. Jesus is not half God, half human. He didn't get a little bit of DNA from God and a little bit of DNA from Mary and come together. Jesus is fully man. He's 100% man and he's 100% God. He's fully God. So if anything, this idea of a virgin birth, of, of, a, of a Holy Spirit um, uh, conceived thing was a, was a, was a pagan thing. It was, this, it was a Greek idea that they would have had in their minds. Um, and if anything, this doesn't help Matthew and his story. To manufacture this, to create this, to help the story, wouldn't make sense. Matthew is writing this because, it, because it's true. He's not putting this in there because he thinks it's going it's to benefit us 2,000 years later. He's writing about this this way because it, it happened. It says, what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And she will give birth, it continues, the angel. And she will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, Yeshua, Joshua. Now, you've got to imagine you're Joseph. And an angel appears to you and says, listen, don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. She's going to give birth to a son. It's from God. And you're to give him the name Yeshua. Like, I imagine, I imagine things start turning in Joseph's mind. He starts, he starts connecting the dots a little bit. He starts thinking, you know, you are telling me that we're going to have a boy and you want me to give him the name of Joshua? Like you want me to give him the name of the warrior hero? You want me to give him the name of the general who led the people in the promised land? Like he's got to start clicking here. He's got to start connecting the dots to the stories that he heard, to, to the legends he had, he had, he had shared about and, and had known since he was a, he was a kid give birth to a son, and you are given the name Jesus, because, and I imagine Joseph's like, yes, I, I'm tracking, because for hundreds of years we've been oppressed, because of hundreds of years Israel has not been a nation, first in, in 587 BCE, the, the, the Babylonians came in and they, and they conquered Israel and they brought us into exile, and we were no longer a nation, we were ruled by this governing authority and we couldn't, we couldn't do anything that we wanted to do. We couldn't live our life. We couldn't practice our faith. We couldn't practice our religion. In fact, they wanted to change everything about us. And then the, after the Babylonians, the Persians came in and the Persians took over the Babylonian Empire. And then we were under the Persians. And then Alexander the Great and the Greeks came in and, and he took over a significant part of the world. And that's why you see so much Greek influence in first century Judaism. In fact, that's why the scripture, the New Testament's written in Greek was because of the Greek rule. But then the Romans came in. Once, once Alexander the Great died, the Romans came in and they, they conquered. Because of hundreds of years, we've, we've been ruled. We've been oppressed. I know why you want, wanted to name Joshua. I know why. Because, and he says this, because he will save his people. Yes, angel. Yes, that's right. He's going to save people because that's what Joshua does. Joshua comes in, and, and he conquers, and, and he drives out the nation, and he, and he brings people into the promised land. This is, this is what we've been told. This is the stories that we've hold on to. This is what we are expecting, I imagine. This is what's going through Joseph's head. Yes, angel. That's what he does. He saves people. Oh, and he's on board. And then the angel says, from their sins. Excuse me? No. That's not what we need. We don't need saving from our sins. That's not our list. Ask anybody, angel. Ask anybody around. That's not what they're going to say we need right now. Clearly, you don't know the hierarchy of needs, physiological, safety. Those are kind of the first things that we need, right? We don't need to be saved from our, our sins. What if we told that to people today? What if, what if you went and you read this to scripture to somebody today? that Jesus came to save you from their sins, how how would they respond? Probably very similar to a first century person. What are you talking about? It's saving from my sins. How many people do you know live a very comfort life, lifestyle? They don't feel like they got anything going on that needs saving. I don't need saving from sins. you kidding me? If anything, we need saving from COVID and 2020 and pandemic. We need to be saved from job loss and debt and and separation and lockdown we need to be saved from a crippling economy that's what we need to be saved from I don't need to be saved from sins and imagine Joseph is like angel like do you know who needs saving from their sins the Romans they need saving from sins like they are messed up have you seen what they do have you been tracking along with them like their sins have reached full measure and do you know what we need saving from the Romans That's what we need. They need to be saved from sins, and we need to be saved from the Romans. I imagine that's what Joseph is thinking, but you don't see him responding like that. In fact, Joseph's not saying anything at all. We don't read of him saying anything at all. Because when you're hearing a message from God, you close your mouth. God doesn't stutter when he speaks. God doesn't mess up when he speaks. He he does not mix up his words. He doesn't choose the wrong word. God always chooses the right words. In fact, Joseph doesn't speak at all. He doesn't speak out of place. He doesn't share what he thinks. You know, when God speaks directly to humankind, he has the ability to override free will. What do I mean by that? If God were to show up in all of his glory and all of his power, if the heavens parted and the light shone through and you just saw God for all that he was, you wouldn't get a choice in the matter. Your choice would not matter. Because God is here. I, I, I look at this and I don't see God asking Joseph permission. Hey Joseph, uh, are you okay with this? Like, can we work out a deal here? How do you feel about? If anything, God is giving Joseph permission to be a part of his plan. Hey Joseph, you get to be a part of this. Don't be afraid. And so I think Joseph does what any of us would do if we were in that moment As he closes his mouth, and it says this, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife. I wanna dig a little bit deeper. I'm gonna invite the worship team to come. Do you know why so many of us are not moved when we hear that God sent Jesus to save people from their sins? Why most of us react the same way the first century people probably did? One author said this. He said, the reason why most of us don't light up is because we don't hear save people from their sins. We hear forgive people of their sins. We don't read save. We read forgive. When we hear save, we hear forgive. Andy Stanley said, we've reduced Christmas to forgiveness. And maybe that's been your entire Christian experience. That nobody's perfect, but God forgives. Sounds like a Hallmark card, right? Nobody's perfect, but God forgets. I've said that. I believe that. But, but the Christmas message and the gospel message is so much wider and deeper than that. Jesus came not just to deliver us from the consequence of sin. He didn't just come so that we can get, we can get an eternity. He didn't just come to get a, give us a get out of hell free card. Say, it's all good. You know, yeah, you'll experience it. It's okay. I forgive you. You're not, your eternity sealed. He didn't just come to deliver us from the consequence, he came to deliver us from the power of sin. The power of sin. Jesus came in the spirit of Joshua, a warrior to conquer the power of sin, to conquer and deliver us from the kingdom of sin, from the dominion of sin, from the oppressors, oppress oppressed, I can't even say the word, of sin. And Jesus alluded to that in his ministry. There's a story in John chapter 8 where the Pharisee people, the religious people of the day, they caught a woman in adultery and they grabbed her, which is really interesting when, when you think about it. She was caught in the act of adultery, sleeping with someone who was not her spouse. Grab a hold of her and they drag her before the temple to find Jesus because they want to trap Jesus. and they throw her before Jesus. She's in the last place that she wants to be right now. Outside the temple, religious people got a hold of her, Jesus. And the Pharisees look at Jesus and they say, "Hey, the Old Testament tells us that we should stone this woman. What do you think?" And Jesus, knowing that they weren't actually going to do it, because the Romans had made it illegal for the Jews to execute anyone even though they often look the the other way. Jesus, knowing they weren't going to do it, he says, do you know what? If any of you doesn't have sin in your life, you pick up a stone, you start throwing. (laughs) Can you imagine the the woman? Um, No, not a good thing. Throw the stone. And it says that one by one, starting with the oldest to the youngest, they begin to drop their stones and walk away. Because they begin to recognize, hey, we got sin. And then Jesus, once they've all left, he looks at the woman, he grabs a hold of her, bends down, I imagine it going like this. Kneels beside her and he says, look around. You can read about it in John chapter eight. Look around. Does anybody here condemn you? She says, no. And he says, neither do I. And when he says that, do you know what he says? I forgive you. I forgive you. But then he says something else that we often don't focus on. Then he says something else. He says, go and leave your life of sin. Go and sin no more. Is that possible? Is it possible to leave a life of sin? You're telling me I can can say no to sin, but it has such a hold over me. Some of us don't even think it's wrong, the things we do. But Jesus came to break the power. Jesus came in power to break the power that sin has over you. He didn't just come to forgive you. He came to set you free. See, forgiveness just kind of puts us at zero, right? If Jesus just came to forgive, it just puts you at zero, but you're still playing with the same deck of cards. The likelihood of you continuing on in the same path Is pretty good but he didn't just come to forgive he came to set you free he came to set you free he came to change the playing field Paul when he's talking to the to the Romans Christians in Rome he says this says verse chapter 6 verse 12 he says therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you will obey its evil desires do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness but rather offer yourself to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. He's saying, do not allow yourself to stay under the authority of sin any longer. Do not remain under the power of sin. Do not let it rule over you. Are you telling us we have a choice? Yes. In Jesus, you have the freedom To choose you are no longer bound to that sin you are no longer slave in fact Paul continues he says for sin shall no longer be your master if you are in Jesus sin is not your master anymore and we all know the struggle if you're in Christ the things that I want to do this but I know I shouldn't do that because I don't don't want to and I should do this but I don't it's part of me that says I don't want to do that and I think this but I also think that there's this there's this battle there's this dual duality there's this dichotomy that exists inside of us and that exists if you have that struggle because of Jesus because he's broke the power so no longer do you have to just give in but you can say no you can leave your life of sin they were right when they called him yeshua Paul continues in Romans chapter six, verse 23. He says that the wages of sin is death. That's a really fancy way to say sin kills things. Sin kills things, think about it. Some of us have had marriages destroyed because of sin. Some of us have had family and relationships severed because of sin. Some of us have had finances destroyed because of greed. We've had addiction change the way we view ourselves. Sin always kills things, but Jesus came not just to forgive you, but he came as a warrior king to deliver you from the grip of sin. Can I tell you what Christmas is all about? It's not about the family gathering. It's not about the lights. It's not about Christmas morning and the presents that are exchanged. It's not about the music playing in the background with snow falling, dreaming of a white Christmas. I love all that stuff. And I like, I, I, I feel good in those moments. But that's not Christmas. I said this in the first service, you know, this is a really weird message at Christmas time. Why don't we talk about the nativity scene? And we'll talk about the manger and, and the little baby being swaddled in cloth and, and put in there and, they, you know, nice. And there's the light and the star in the sky and then. You know, the wise men travel really far and they give gifts. Frankincense, myrrh, gold, you know that one? Let's talk about that. Do you know why that's all there? Because of this. The manger, the wise men, the shepherds, the angels coming to, to the shepherds. The star in the sky, all that stuff is there because Jesus came not just to forgive you but to set you free. That's what Christmas is about. Christmas isn't about the fact that maybe we can't gather the same way. Christmas isn't about the fact that maybe the government has given us protocols and rules regardless of what you think. That's not Christmas. Well, we can't do Christmas anymore. Yes, you can. Christmas is remembering that you've been not only forgiven, but you've been set free from a Savior who came to die for your sins. And if you made something else, you do not believe in the gospel or you forgot. Sorry for yelling just care so deeply about this and I'm with you I'm there I make those mistakes the other night we had we had this great day with our kids and Christmas movies playing and, and it reminded me of my childhood I was a little nostalgic I'm like babe man this is it's like Christmas she looks at me and goes really Wait a second you're right I need to be reminded we make Christmas something it's Who needs Christmas? We all do. It's not just that Jesus was born, but a warrior king came to change the playing field. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus, Yeshua, Joshua, warrior king, because he will save people from their sins. You know, I think somebody needs to be reminded of that. I think somebody needs needs the power to break free from the hold of sin. Here's what i are going to invite us to do in the house. For those of you online, we can't respond the same way. We're trying to do this in the first service. We can't respond the same way. We can't. I don't like this. I don't like that we can't come to an altar and we have to be distant. I don't like it. True. But how can we How can we respond? Because I think sometimes when we do the physical action, whether you're in home or you're here, it nurtures the inward nature. Right? Sometimes we like to believe that I can just respond in my heart and believe that God looks at the heart and only the heart. But as humans, as people, sometimes when we do something physically, it nurtures our inward nature. So here's what I want you to do. Even if you're at home, why don't you bow your heads, close your eyes. If you're in the house, bow your heads, close your eyes. If you're at home, bow your head, close your eyes. And if you're listening today, if you're within the sound of my voice, and you know that there's something in your life, sin in your life that you've been bound to, you keep falling into, you know that God's forgiven you, that eternity is in view for you, but you keep struggling with this thing you know and you're like I need that power to break free from the hold that this has here's what I want you to do in house or online I want you to just stand to your feet I just want you to stand nobody's looking around nobody's watching especially if you're in your house just stand and that physical gesture is just saying to you know what I'm no longer going to let this thing bind me I will no longer let this sin chain me down in the name of Jesus. Here's the second group. You're here today, you're listening online. Maybe you just need to be reminded that it's more than just forgiveness. A power was was given. Power came to break something. That's the hold of sin, so you're no longer a slave to it. If that's you today, I want you to stand as well. Like, I need to be reminded of that. I need to step into that. Jesus, God, you see every heart. You know every circumstance. Remind us of the truth of Christmas, that you came to save us from sins. You came to save us from sins, Lord. It was more than just forgiveness. It's more than just freedom from the consequence, the eternal ramifications. But right now, today, the gift of Jesus is freedom. So I pray for every person, God, that's standing in-house or online. Every per- every, I pray for every person, Lord. Let that truth sink in, in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. So I wanna invite you to stand. The team's gonna lead us in a song because I believe that we need to worship to respond to this, and they're gonna lead us in a song. Waymaker again. think Christmas especially in this year we just need to be reminded of it He's the waymaker and he came and he made a way he made a way you if anything you want to remember Christmas may look different in your house but re- remember this he came to make a way So would you would you sing with us if you're in the house or you're online let's just sing this out He's the waymaker Thank you so much for listening.